0: This podcast is for mature audiences 18 and over and for entertainment purposes only. Please contact your healthcare provider before pursuing any of our topics discussed. You're listening to Eat, Play, Sex with Dr. Kat. The place to get play, sex, and nutrition talk straight to your ears. Galen Fus is a kink-positive therapist, author, educator, and sex researcher, helping clients shift from compulsive, secretive, risky sexual behaviors to negotiated, consensual, ecstatic sexual engagements. He has one of the largest studies on understanding and mapping the psychological dynamics of sexual desire, including kink, fetish, and DSBDSM sexuality. He has one of the largest studies on understanding and mapping the psychological dynamics of sexual desire, including kink, fetish, and DS-BDSM sexuality. Galen, oh, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Uh, It's a pleasure to be here. I I love your uh, excitement and enthusiasm and passion for (laughs) uh, these topics, uh, and uh, because it's this, the educate, you know, we lack sex education on the whole for children or for our teens, uh, but for adults also. So yes. this is really an opportunity to uh, provide important information that can help normalize uh, our sexuality and help people learn how to be embodied and present and really achieving the ecstasy that our sexuality offers.
0: Oh my God, you speak my language. I'm like hearing the words of embodiment and, and yes, and playfulness. I think we, sometimes it can get get so serious, but if we get lighthearted and bring in, drop some of this knowledge in here, (laughs) people might receive it more. And I checked out your research on your website, the PEM, right?
1: Yes. The discover your personal erotic myth survey. Uh, which I'm glad you did that and I'd like to hear what you thought about it, but just to describe what it is, it's a tool for an individual or a couple to drill down deeper into the nuances and the psychological depths of uh, what not, might not be even conscious to them yet, but this is a gateway, a th- place to start Inquiring further about what might be going on when you're having those uh, wild, ecstatic orgasms. There could be more than just uh, that ecstasy endpoint. There could have been a whole uh, epic journey that you uh, have been on along the way that shows up in these little sound bites that might come out right before one orgasms, of you know, just either guttural, intense sounds or even little sound bites like take me or harder or something that. Just kind of leap out of of the voice without anybody really.
0: Uh, yeah, like not kind conscious. Of going,
1: uh, Whoa, who was yeah. that? Uh, that showed up exactly. But it it's so powerful within us. This is what I'm indicating is that it it takes over the body and drives one to orgasm in those last moments. It it and it is so. It is a part of the psychological such inter intersexual psyche as I think of it and people can learn more about it through taking the survey uh, through a series of questions that lets them ponder uh, what Mm -hmm. some of these uh, aspects might be for themselves and then on the other side it is as you mentioned uh, one of the largest research projects that is focusing on kink-oriented sexuality and Also, what inhibits uh, the expression of it, such as the the sex negative shaming culture that we generally live in, has uh, been a huge block in the inner psyche of the individual, too comfortably embrace their their own sexual truths
0: yeah which is what i loved about the the survey itself is it brings people to self-inquire it brings them to themselves versus this socially constructed idea of what sex is supposed to look like because we all know that we don't fit in that box (laughs) Mm -hmm. and so it's really empowering to for you to be asking them these questions and people are like oh okay so somebody's Asking me that question, I resonate with that question. It's very validating, too.
1: Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. As you put that, I was just thinking that there are a lot of uh, tools or surveys or or little uh, maps that people uh, or institutions put out that are you this type or that type? You know, it's yeah. kind of like, what's your sign? Almost, <laughs> you know, what box do you fit in? And and this is uh, not, I believe, the the right approach. It should be let the person discover their own unique. I mean, it's as distinct as a fingerprint and, and as inherent as your eye color. So it's not something that uh, is going to fit in a someone else's model. You know, find your own mm. model. It's because it is, that's where the truth is. Now, there are many collective uh, overlaps and similarities and, and uh, others you know in, in a similar uh scope of things as about our own personal sexuality to be and that's a, that's another fascinating aspect about the collective archetypal uh in the gene pool there are the counterparts to whatever anyone's fantasy is off the charts as it might be i guarantee you there are uh, others You know, if you have it within yourself, it's meant to be paired. You know, to be
2: Mm
1: -hmm. uh, uh, communities. You know, uh, and and all. And if you go on a site like FetLife and kind of cruise around, uh, search the different groups that are available, you'll see there's just this pantheon of different erotic uh, personas that are gathering together and and starting a group. And then people are, well, lo and behold, populating it like, wow, you too. And uh, in in these uh, as obscure as you and strange and, uh, you know, different as you could imagine
0: yeah yeah. and it's almost like, because for most of us, and I can speak for myself too, when I had started my journey of understanding myself as a sexual being, I had no idea where to even begin. I only had the constructs that I was you know that was instilled in me from society and family and friends and and religion and that kind of thing. And so you're talking about these these archetypes or um, uh, being able to I guess, match with other people who other people have these parts of themselves and them. It's like permission. You know, we see somebody else embodying a specific characteristic or archetype and we're like, Oh, well, I can do that too. Or I resonate with that too.
1: Yes. It's a much more nuanced view, allowing our (laughs) sexuality to have the nuance that it really has versus Mm -hmm. the kind of the quote, the old fashioned vanilla, uh, Realm. And also, this is an important tool to because it's so important for the individual person to really know their sexuality, to really claim it, to really recognize it as their birthright. That however unique that is, and it is unique that's yours you get to have that that's your human right to do so and from there now learn how to honestly negotiate that when you begin a partnership you know bring it into all the other questions Mm -hmm. your inquiries you have about the person what you want to know hey this is looking good but uh don't wait months to talk about your sexuality Start it on the first date i would that's my recommendation Mm -hmm. bring it right to the table (laughs) you know why waste a couple months and then Okay, I'm gonna pop the question finally. Listen, I'm a dominant erotic sadist and I like to tie women up and spank them and uh et cetera, et cetera. How about you?
2: you know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> if they like look at me like with their mouth dropping uh and eyes bugging out, then I know that, well, I should have asked this question a couple months ago. <laughs>
0: that is some sound advice there so it's inviting somebody into that well it's intimacy really it's allowing somebody to see into you and vulnerability there's so much vulnerability in expressing our sexuality
1: and honesty you know mm-hmm. this is what's lacking we we live in a sexually dishonest uh, culture You know, uh, there's an epidemic in our culture, I believe, of people leading secret sex lives. Mm. And the psychic uh, burden of that secrecy is at pathological proportions. It is such a harsh, uh, relentlessly shaming, guilty. Did I do the cover up? Well, am I... uh, as well as your our being out of integrity, lying cheating, sneaking behind partners' backs and, and all kinds of uh uh psycho- you know burdens come from our secret sex life, so I'm on a mission mm. to raise sexuality to its rightful place alongside of intellect, creativity, spirit, and emotion as a integral part of the human experience.
0: Mm. How do you think that? Sex has become a secret. Like you're talking about the secret sex lives, how did that happen?
1: Well, it it started uh, back at this period, probably in the Greek era. The Apollonian ideal of you know this be, the beauty of the ideal human, you know, in form and, and manner and all. In other words, becoming civilized. You know, people started to idolize being civilized mm-hmm. uh and then also then religions came in and morally uh brought in the the notion that the body is corrupt you know the bodies of the devil it's the flesh it's evil uh only animals do that uh all of this uh, we're civilized you know we're above <laughs> that and so this just led to this whole uh Cultural phenomenon across the board of of you know sex was on the other side of the tracks in the red light district in the underworld in the background at the end of the train of the military caravans you know uh, this is where the uh, prostitutes and and sex was made uh, to be at the end of the line so this is uh, it's like reefer madness hysteria that we have around sexuality if, if people know the reference to reefer madness this. 1950s documentary about the evils of marijuana, and uh, it was like so over the top. It's like a comedy now. People yeah. look at it and laugh their ass off. They get stoned and watch watch that and have a good laugh. But uh, this, with uh, we've demonized our sexuality to such a point that people are terrified of, and there are consequences if you, uh, you know, uh, come out or step out uh, in that realm of your sexuality there are people who you know uh, you you can be uh, suffering issues around employment or mm-hmm. uh, child custody or all kinds of things that show up because we demonize uh, sexuality mm-hmm. in those ways so there's so much that's why it takes courage you know really to uh, step up and embrace your sexuality in an honest way. Now that also, imp- I'm stating clearly that you have every right to your privacy. It's nobody else's business what mm-hmm. your sexuality is, but first own it for yourself, you know, take it in. It's is a beautiful, integral, important, valid part of uh, you and it's your right to express it honestly and, and in, in an embodied way in a way that's in integrity with your values and agreements and all of this. We can learn how to integrate our sexualities from mild to wild uh, in a way that's in integrity with our values, agreements, responsibilities, and partnerships, relationships. Mm-hmm.
0: I love that you just said that because I, <clears throat> you know, there's going to be listeners on there who are like, well, I like more of the, the mild or I like more of the, you know, what's not wild or or bdsm-esque and you're saying hey know your truth own your truth own your sexuality and its potential
1: and by doing that you're going to avoid erotic mismatches in your relationships (sighs) and this is what we began you know what you talk about with your own uh research is Mm -hmm. as people because they don't have the conversation right out of the gate Mm -hmm. they wind up decades later coming to me and going, well, I didn't realize he meant never, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, that I was agreeing to like abandoning my sexuality. You know I mean? We make these agreements and think, well, now I got to be loyal to that, but we didn't really think the agreements through. It wasn't really a fair agreement uh, in many ways. You know, I mean, as much as well, you're an adult, you're responsible for your choices, which is absolutely true. But uh, this is why I emphasize Take it into the beginning if you're already in a relationship decades down the path that's a much more challenging place to uh change to to claim your truth from uh Mm -hmm. but it is possible uh, and there are ways and then uh to to introduce this into your relationships even at that point but there's also then the risk that it is maybe you're just not in the right relationship you know Mm -hmm. maybe it is Best to move on. You know mm-hmm. that's difficult for many people, especially after decades. Uh, but I also, but because of that, decades togetherness. Uh, there's hopefully there's enough there that both sides can understand. Yeah, this is. I understand. This is your right. This is to be to be who you are. You're my partner. I love you. I totally support you in being who you are. Mm-hmm. And it's not what I'm into. But there's ways you can start to learn how to negotiate. Mm-hmm. To allow, respect each other enough and love each other enough to uh, understand, no, you can't just push it down and say no. I mean, mm-hmm. you can, but that's okay. Then we can end this relationship.
0: Right, right. And do you, I wonder, do you think that, because what comes to my mind is that there's so much misinformation and stigma in our society around, especially things like BDSM or kink or fetish that... that plays a major role in couples in which one brings this up. So uh, I I would wonder if, is it so much, is there so much weight on the incompatibility in that regards? Or is it more of, you know, the education and the deprogramming and the, uh, you know, exploring of how we can sort of like stack our two um, or co-create a sexual script together?
1: Well, that's what the inquiry needs to be, you know, to understand what it is, because the, the one end of the spectrum is like you said, oh, wow, we've got so much baggage and, and misinformation and things. And if we can clear that, I think we maybe can get to common ground. And well, there could be a lot of territory, we can really dance in together in a way that uh, works for both of us. Uh, but the other side of the coin is, is uh Imagine the the put it in this context. Uh, I'm a gay man married to a straight woman for the last twenty years, and I'm finally realizing this just doesn't feel like. I don't know how I can make this work. Yeah, you know, I mean, this is uh, in an, in any context there can be that bottom line truth is uh, I'm not erotically matched to my partner.
2: Mm-hmm. It's
1: just it's just as if I was a gay man and uh, married you know with a, my partner's a straight woman it's just like hmm, we <laughs> sure love each other and it's sure nice, but listen, there's something this just isn't work you know
0: something there's a there's a root to this problem I don't know <laughs> Yeah. So, for couples in which this is the case, I wonder if you have any specific tips that you would give on somebody wanting to disclose this or have this conversation mm-hmm. with
1: yeah that that is big territory, and you know <laughs> and I said uh, said it's complex territory, and it's littered with all of our own shadowy, wounded parts that can be triggered just by the convert the content of the conversation I- itself and our stuff so i would say let's the first place is to start with yourself you know mm-hmm. before you bring it into the relation do your own work begin your own work to learn you know wh- what's wounded or, or what's needs asking for healing or uh need support learning uh to be embodied and present so you're in touch with What's your truth, you know, mm. so practices uh, of, you know, movement or kind of breath work or, or any yoga, any kind of thing that helps you get more embodied and, and then mutually work to get embodied with your partner first before you even start talking. I, I often recommend just uh, I have a practice I call my yoga and our yoga and uh, mm. the our yoga is about this connecting together body to body, you know, Mm -hmm. not in thought, not in in the future or the past, but just feeling the experience of one body against another. And uh, this is a great way to dissolve all kinds of surface uh, tensions, but each individual might have some deeper work. And this is why it's wonderful to start a, a path like this to claiming your sexuality and try to integrate it in your relationship because you are Bringing yourself to the places where there is wounded uh, experiences and and trauma, even and things that uh, want to get resolved. So it, it, people sometimes are afraid to open to those things. But uh, my experience of twenty years in working and supporting with people is, uh, it, it just wants to happen. You know, people want to he want to reclaim their power from what's taken it away from them and want to live an exuberant embodied life mm-hmm. uh, and in partnership. So if you can really do your work to get embodied, to get present, to stay in your breath, to own your own stuff, you know, to see how if you're projecting onto someone. This is why I said it's complex. You know, this is a lot of work here, uh, mm-hmm. ultimately, but just so that you can have an honest conversation and respect the right and, and a deep listening Process. I mean, listening is very important in these kinds of processes. Mm. Uh, You might need to have a kind of a referee, you know, as a a therapist or someone who's going to support you. uh,
2: Oh yeah! In
1: In uh, that, Pat working out these very complex territories because we're so immersed in shame and and fear and judgment around our sexuality that really just entangles our ability to communicate with our partners even because we're triggered or you know uh, trauma uh, you know PTSD I mean it is it can be intense every individual has their own experience some people this might be a piece of cake maybe oh yeah I could talk to my partner about this and oh this is great we're having a great time we've learned about and you're going down the path hopefully that's the true for most people but I also know the experience of now this is very going deep into the territory, the individual's territory, and then the relationship territory of so much that is unresolved.
0: Mm, mm-hmm. And that we might unconsciously project or um, get triggered. And and I love that you put that. That's one of the factors in my research of um, those relationships that did work was that they each had a therapist at one point in their relationship whether Mm -hmm. it was individual or as a couple to be able to look at what was coming up and have somebody hold a safe container for these things to Mm -hmm. come up and and know that there was somebody there to help facilitate that conversation
1: yes exactly
0: because it's one thing, like, you know, of course, we we all want to be able to have be good communicators, but oh, let's be real. That's a skill that's learned. And sometimes we mm-hmm. just need help.
1: <laughs> and this is a place where when I think a good signal for a relationship to know it's time to get some outside help is uh, there's often a place where people get uh, into the situation of what I call shadow meeting shadow. Ooh. And so that means, you know, like I'm triggered and my triggering happens to trigger them. And now it's the two triggered parts trying to communicate, mm-hmm. you know, and get somewhere, <laughs> but all they're doing is, you know, fanning the flames, throwing more fuel on the fire and, and not letting go of, of this projection and, and yeah. digging in and, Uh, that's almost, uh, that's a tough place to really communicate uh, from. So uh, someone experienced, uh, so yeah, you want to get your own skills and experience, but until you do, a a good therapist, a good facilitator can be very helpful to help you stay in your, and start with intention. You know, if my, I want to, you know, I would encourage anyone to start with the intention that I want to be, stay in a place of where I'm listening I'm, I'm respecting my partner. I I really do want their best interest and I Mm -hmm. want them to be heard. And I want, you know, start with that intention so that if you inevitably do get knocked off of that track, you can take a breath and okay, what's my intention and come back to that place. I love
0: that. I love that. I also talk a lot about intention and, and I just want to highlight that one more time is that, well, I guess for you to say, um, Can you share with our listeners that one piece about intention again?
1: Well, I think in all of our personal work, meaning uh, if there's ways that we've been disempowered and we're not stepping into our power in some level or another, or we're not embracing what our truth is, and we're living in that uh, responsive place of where we shut down, we disconnect, we're not... Mm -hmm. uh, Crossing those thresholds into what our desire looks like. Any of those kinds of contexts, intention is is really the first thing, you know, that one should begin with. And that Mm -hmm. is like, my intention is to be a a conscious, uh, authentic and empowered man.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Okay, great. Boom, right away, I got hit with all the ways I might have not been. Because, you know, by even stating that intention is indicating where the work is. Mm -hmm. Uh, Take each one of those things authentic. Oh, man, I've been hiding and sneaking and not being uh, honest. So, okay. Uh, And that means some part has taken my power, you know, of me in my inner psyche. There's these, uh, the model I use anyway, that is indicative of, uh where somehow my power was usurped Mm -hmm. and uh this is uh but this intention is uh meant to be an anchor basically Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that's my my baseline and it's of course there's no perfection in this but it is a way when i Note: I'm off of that intention that I I know right where to come back to.
2: Yeah. It's not like
1: I'm just kind of out confused. Oh, God, things blew up again and it's all over the place. And I don't know what, you know, this is uh, the anchor is dope. I know right where I'm going back to take a breath. And feel that truth of that intention, because that's your power. I mean, the, an intention is powerful because it's you made it up. You mm-hmm. created it. You decided, yeah, this is what the truth is for me. Yeah. And that's where it, that's indisputable. It's absolute rock solid uh, truth if you've brought it from yourself. So that's why it's it's powerful and can you can anchor in it and come back to it. Because, you know, oh, that's absolutely true. That's really what I want.
0: Hmm. Hmm. It's like this focal point that we can channel all of our energy or our actions or our words to achieve a specific desired outcome. Yeah, truth. Mm, yeah. And that isn't to say that somebody else isn't true. It's just both of these can coexist at the same time. It's just knowing. Yeah, like it's you your was- personal
1: truth and their yeah. personal truth. You know that we want to get to.
0: Hmm. And I think that's where we get tangled up sometimes. You know, we, we, I, we believe that our sex script is the same as their sex script, and then we're disappointed or frustrated when it's not.
1: <laughs> yes, which goes back to, we should have known that before we began.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: If we could, as best you can. Now, again, none of these things are... Uh, There's always going to be landmines, you know, as much as you negotiate or understand or, or, you know, reach, have deep conversations, get to the truths, the bottoms, you know, uh, at least that's my experience uh, in in kink oriented sexuality. And this is the idea of negotiating, you know, what boundaries are or or what desires, what is desired, uh, that uh, as clear as you have gotten it, uh, there's still places that I call the landmines, you know, in the territory where you step on them, and suddenly, boom! You know, uh, something got triggered, uh-huh. uh, and uh, that's kind of even. Uh, I I look at that as normal, uh, part of the territory, and and it's not anything to get uh, overwrought about. It's just a place to take a breath, check in with the personnel, because uh, you'll notice these things. You know, if you're engaging, it might even have happened without any clear response or a direct response, but you can tell when someone's body is shifted, when their energy is just shifted into something where, oh, we're not quite connected in, in, the, in the dance here. And, and that's just a place to check in and ask, you know, hey, what's up? What do you need? Uh, mm. what can you? Uh,
0: How can I support you?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just step back and go into supportive listening mode and find out what, what really wants to happen there.
0: Hmm. What would some of these, what would be some examples of these landmines? I love that metaphor.
1: Well, the, again, this is very nuanced or a lot of possibilities in sure. that regard, but to uh, give an example in, in. Again, in the kink realm, uh, this is a uh, one of the areas of negotiation that I bring in that I find is very important is around uh, languaging, uh, verbal, uh, the verbal side of one's kink sexuality, i.e. that might be uh, anything around uh, language or wording that people want to have a boundary around, around intelligence, body image femininity or masculinity or uh, religion or race or other uh, because there are people whose kinks can include any of those areas in a, in a way that's just really ecstatically potent for them and there's other people obviously who uh, have been wounded uh, traumatized emotionally around uh, so for instance intelligence you know mm-hmm. there are Uh, you know, people whose parents, you know, totally belittled them and called them stupid or you're so dumb or where that take became a wound. So any kind of languaging around that in the scene, uh, would be something someone would want to have a boundary around, you know. Mm. But sometimes people don't understand that, or you think you negotiated and said that, or you didn't know. Oh, you thought you meant that word for you means this; it doesn't mean that for me. But yes. boom, you know, that just suddenly triggered them because I've, I, I like I used to, it happened in my own experience of uh, someone. I had uh, the situation was was such where I made the comment of oh did you think I'd forget
2: mm-hmm.
1: quote and the person just dropped. I mean, they they just left the room. I just was, whoa, what happened? So I checked in with them, and that was the very term their mother had used when they were five years old when all hell broke loose after because she did something she shouldn't have or, or <sighs> whatever. Mm-hmm. So this, you know, did we think we could, you know, negotiate that and anew that in the in advance? Probably not. But this is the kind of things why it's important to really – uh, before you enter into this uh, deep sexual realm, you want to enter in connected with mm-hmm. your partner. You want to be in a dance together as you journey into these territories because these are rich, amazing, uh, ecstatic places. But uh, the key is to, to look at it as a dance and staying uh, connected mm-hmm. and uh, doing your due diligence and best uh, efforts to negotiate wherever you are wanting to go
0: hmm. And so many people, it's interesting, so many people don't realize that they have infinite potential and they don't realize that this is a thing that can be developed. They just assume, oh, this is the way I have sex and this is, and that's it.
1: Yeah, exactly. I have a, a, an expression I use, you know, sex is friction, Eros is myth. And, uh <laughs> Friction sex can be great. I mean, it's going to be like, whoa, what a relief. That was just like, you know, 10 minutes of furious intensity and uh, getting off and, oh, uh, yeah, that feels good. But to me, that's like getting off at the first exit of a thousand mile journey. Yeah. And so this is the deeper territory is is entering into this realm of Eros, you know, which is not just hot friction going mm-hmm. on it is entering into archetypal mythic symbolic territory of these epic sexual journeys and personas that that want to dance into these deeper uh realms for those who are so inclined anywhere you know that's mm-hmm. maybe not everybody maybe friction yeah. sex is the uh as far as they want or are, are geared towards it's high, you know who knows i mean these are big questions or research topics of what really, I mean, we're we're really just beginning to open the lid on what the heck's human sexuality is Mm -hmm. about. Uh, But there's much more than we can find in a 10 minute sexual engagement. And if you uh, learn and practice and and open to uh, these depths, there are just really profound levels of intimacy and trust and connection uh, that you can experience with your partners because it it's, it takes so much. Uh, you have to get to that level of trust to really allow those parts of us to open up and and journey together.
0: Mm, mm, I love that trust, big time. And I, you know, I'm thinking of this friction sex. I and I can bring in an, an own story of mine. I remember. Um, partners ago having a partner and this was the beginning of my sexual discovery and like going in and trying all these things and doing all this stuff. And then I met the my partner at that time who was curious and he was interested, but didn't want to do any of those things. And I found my own self lowering my mm-hmm. sexuality to match his mm-hmm. and not have feeling satisfied and, and sexually, but for the sake of the relationship mm-hmm. I did that and how that completely destroyed me moving mm-hmm. forward or, yes. uh, you know, in that relationship afterward, I, I re- realized how much I had repressed myself to match that. Mm-hmm. And I think this can also be a pattern that goes on because we don't want to hurt somebody or we don't want to make somebody uncomfortable or we don't want to, you know, I mean? we dim ourselves or dim mm-hmm. our light.
1: And that's what I talk about being disempowered. You know, Mm -hmm. that is a disempowered place and how you're handling the relationship Mm -hmm. uh, is uh, just the truth is, is that's disempowered and and, and the soul yearns to be who it is. So this is there's a part of us that wants to take back our power. There's no question about that. That wants to be true to who we are. And this is the unfortunate thing about sex. In relationship, why I called, you know, sex has been the bastard of human personality for millennia. Until this era, this is really a new shift that uh, where Eros is emerging in a way that is wanting to be integrated. And people are uh, moving towards that. But in relationship, yeah, that's what happens is the one with the least desire dominates the sexuality. Mm. And that puts the other person, which then puts it into shadow. You know, so then that that's why people are out sneaking, hiding, cheating, Mm -hmm. uh, porning uh, on and on and on all these ways, because uh, in many instances, it's just like, wow, their sexuality has been uh, denied, you know, a place in the in the relationship. Mm. Uh, So, uh, but the sex creature is a relentless uh, part of of the sexual psyche, as I that's my affectionate name for (laughs) our sexuality. (laughs) Uh, I love and it. it. Is it is on the hunt? I mean, it is it is a predator. It is out there sniffing, hunting, you know, snooping around. Uh, it is uh, perpetual in its nature. And so, my my expression for that then is uh, no one to leash and unleash your sex creature. It's a sign of maturity.
0: Oh my god! I love that. I'm going to quote that. That is so amazing. I'm gonna. I really want to steal sex creature Mm -hmm. now. That sounds like (laughs) (laughs) that's right up my alley. All
1: right. Yeah. Well, you you resonate. I'm sure.
0: (laughs) I'm very critterish. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. So when we're talking about you know these these authentic expressions of ourselves, and we have you know put little breadcrumbs out there about BDSM and kink and fetish, I would really love to know and share with the listeners what what constitutes a kink or what makes something a kink?
1: Well it's mostly almost like a uh, a negative inference from like the narrow range of normal that has been allowed. you know uh, it's actually all you know my view is normal sex is personal.
2: Mm-hmm. There
1: is no government, Religion, community partner uh, or family that has a right to tell anyone what their sexuality should be, you mm-hmm. know everyone has that birthright to be uh, true to themselves uh, and uh shoot, <laughs> I just lost the the question.
0: that's okay. Uh, I was asking about what constitutes a kink, oh okay, yeah.
1: Yeah. So again, I don't think there's any. We're just beginning to start to understand this. So I don't know if we can say absolutely. You know, kink had been defined or by the psychological community, American Psychological Association, and the reference as a paraphilia, and this is a, a thought of as a deviant behavior that's abnormal, sexuality being acted out or, or pursued in some way that is uh, was considered a A pathology and you know was listed as such in the in the diagnostic and statistical manual yeah uh but how i view kink uh also what i call fetish sexual fetish sexuality uh i believe that uh fetish sexuality or someone who is kink oriented uh this that fetish sexuality is a a valid sexual identity. It's in the gene pool, just like homosexuality is uh, part of the gene pool, I believe uh, kink-oriented, and what I call a fetish, a fetish sexual with someone who's driven to orgasm or other deep erotic state through an innate, inherent, uh, often lifelong desire for a particular range of uh, power exchange uh, and a Pantheon of other uh, activities that might be uh, that are now emerging that we're starting to identify, and they all mm-hmm. have an archetypal, symbolic, uh mythic story-driven component. So, uh, that, something around that area is what I would call kink.
0: Oof, this sounds like so much fun. <laughs> I'm nerding <laughs> out over here. I'm like, yes, about the mythology. <laughs> yes.
1: Well, that's back to the personal erotic myth. You know, this is what. Uh, People in kink are operating with a uh, an erotic persona of them uh, who they uh, they are, and and maybe the overriding one in kink in the power exchange range is dominant and submissive. Uh-huh. You know, there's a dominant character and there's a submissive counterpart to that. And in that mythos, you know, they, there can be a pantheon of uh, how that's showing up is this uh, in terms of you know. Master, slave, daddy, daughter, mommy, son, teacher, student, uh, perp, victim, uh, predator, prey, on and on. And there's a, just, a, you know, a vast territory that, that exists out there. I call it the erotic wilderness. And, you know, this is where uh, we, but you have to venture out into there, to that territory, to, to find the riches and the treasures hmm. uh, there. Uh, but so, yeah, so these will occur what's really interesting is, you know, how these occur in pairs in the gene pool of, you know, dominant and submissive or daddy, daughter, any of these, uh, fetish, uh, sex identified pairings, uh, there are, uh, they occur in pairs, you know, so, and so that's why people are able to find each other, uh, through these emerging uh, online sites uh, mm-hmm. that people can up, up put an ad on and, and such, you know, so it's it's really amazing that uh, what's emerged as a result of this ability to to go deep, deeper into the the territory through the uh, internet, you know, that's allowing people some level of on- anonymity to safely kind of open to and explore and check out these uh, this erotic, their own erotic wilderness. Um, so and that's why yeah the it, it, and it requires exploration because you know some people actually you know are quite familiar in fact in my research uh, study and it was true for myself as well uh, I was aware of my own sexuality by the time I was five years old and in my survey forty percent of the over four thousand participants in the survey uh, note that. Uh, Before, by the age of 10, 40% were aware and masturbating to their sexual fantasies.
0: Wow.
1: Which is shocking to a lot of people because, and this, you know, we have outdated, we're living in an outdated uh, sexual theory realm, you know, Uh, so much we don't understand. And and also this explosion of sexuality has... uh, the the academic and clinical model of psychology around sexuality is 25 or 30 years behind the curve. Mm. So uh, this is why people are are really struggling to deal with these things of uh, (coughs) owning their sexuality because it's uh, not being, uh, they're on the you know, we're kind of pioneering the territory right Mm now, you know, trying to, people are bootstrapping uh, through certain types of therapists and and models of therapy uh, that are emerging to address these outdated theories and and bring in a model that makes more sense that people can fit oh I, yeah that, that's a helpful tool uh, Thank God. for me <laughs>
0: yeah yeah and you know one thing I wanted to touch on from what you were saying and I think this also comes to the updating some of the scripts that we have you brought in the concept of um, uh, Daddy daughter and some of these these roles that we take on that in society, they aren't the they aren't uh, culturally appropriate, but in the safe confines or the the container of sexuality like we can we can do all these taboo. Mm -hmm. (laughs) exactly
1: and taboo is is you know part of the driving energy there Mm -hmm. in a way and but it's also hitting some really deep psychological territory of uh and again to emphasize you know this is talking about in kink consensual negotiated adult behavior you know between adults and uh it has nothing to do with one's real parents or real children these are mythic Uh, archetypal energies that are being called forth Uh, uh, the parts of us you know why is that eroticized again this is the big mystery you know Uh, who knows we nobody knows why these types of archetypal pairings have such a powerful erotic charge but clearly it's happening i mean tens of millions hundreds of millions of people on the planet right now are have been exploring kink in some level or another over the last uh, decade Mm -hmm. and uh so but that is such a yeah so a lot of people though are just gonna be triggered by oh my god that's child supporting child how could you want to do you know like uh, they're gonna project all over that and and that's all it is is a projection because again adults have their birthright to choose with another adult, how they engage and it's nobody else's business. But the truth is uh, probably if you go on FetLife or any of these alternative sexuality sites, uh, I'm just going to throw out a rough number. 40 to 50% of the people on there are into some version of daddy daughter play mm-hmm. or it could be mommy son play uh, for that matter. Uh, but uh, it is a, a very, there's a, huge chunk of of, the gene pool participating engaging desiring and benefiting from getting ecstatic experience uh, Mm -hmm. from that and and it's tapping into all kinds of things you know so for instance and myself uh, someone introduced that to me about 20 years ago I'd never even thought of it before myself as a you know a daddy-daughter scenario Uh, but a a younger woman approached me or, or connected with me and Said she was into daddy daughter play, and I went. It took me about three seconds. I went, "Oh, <laughs> I get it. Yeah, oh yeah, daddy. I could be. I that. I reckon this part of me just like was a switch flipped, and I could, I could really embody that idea. You know, in a way that was both uh, tender and perverse. You know, what I mean, that's why it was such a charge around it. It was like, you know. Uh, who could be I be more loving to than my little girl? And what could be more perverse or taboo than engaging in an erotic uh, dance with her? Mm-hmm. So it, it was a real delightful and natural for me, energetic, uh, to engage in. And this is what I uh, talk about out of the archetypal embodiment. A lot of people talk about, oh, I like to role play. Mm-hmm. and uh i don't look at it as role play because role play means you're kind of following a script you're writing it okay i'm gonna now i say this and they say that and mm-hmm. no it is a creative uh, imaginal uh, embodiment of this uh, persona that's distinct as i said the sex creature as daddy you know uh can morph into my body, and that's what wants to happen. That archetype wants to embody; it wants to be get into the be in the world, and this can be done again. I'll, we didn't talk about this yet, but uh, how this occurs in, in a healthy, safe way or risk aware way is uh, what uh, through ritual engagement. Ooh you know, and this is where, you know, you're stepping into the container of that ritual, which has a, you know, an entry and an inside and an outside, you know, then there's ambience. You can make the, all of these things that can be done uh, inside the container to bring out and enliven the ambience through touch, light, sound, texture, aroma. Mm-hmm. But this is where then you can em- let embody, you know, put aside, uh, after you've negotiated, you know, step into this realm and really just embody this full-on archetype. It doesn't need to know a script. It just is there. It'll operate in whatever is a uh, creative, uh, natural way as you would in the, any other time you're in the world.
0: Hmm. Yeah, and ritual is, you know, again, r- brings back that element of intention. We are creating this here, this container whether it's in our yeah. mind or whether it's in this room.
1: Yeah, there's probably not time to go into more depth about what the value <laughs> and importance of ritual and, and why it's a helpful and, and a meaningful yeah. uh, way to, to engage Because this is a, okay, I'll say this part, you know, uh, we're dealing with paradox here. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the way, uh, and this is back to the beginning of this primitive civilized idea that we had, you know, that we are actually both of these natures. It's an and, not an or. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I am civilized and I'm primitive. I am sacred and I'm profane. And uh, on and on. It's more like the yin yang of, of our experience is, is this, uh, is the, that way versus a, a monotheistic view of right or wrong, black or white, good or evil. So, uh, and kink has this, uh, sacred and profane dimension. As I look at it, the, the DS side, the, is the noble side where that's the place where, uh, uh, both partners are in negotiation, are getting clear about boundaries, uh, histories, uh, what aftercare and how much support might be there after they begin. Uh, the intention to, yeah, like I want to stay in my breath. I want to be embodied. I want to be present. Mm-hmm. And uh, all of those dimensions are, are in the what I call the outer chamber, the DS side where that negotiation occurred. Then you can step into the inner chamber uh, the BDSM side, DS and BDSM, as the sacred and profane, and then the BDSM side is where all the taboo, forbidden, inappropriate, uh, scary, uh, painful, uh, intense uh, energies can can be brought in and allowed to dance in, in this fullness of this ritual that knows that at the center is still the protocol and negotiation that was done in the outer chamber because they're in the same center the center is the same for both containers Mm -hmm. Uh, and this uh means that yeah you know because sometimes people are wow if i get going what if i just go off the deep end and suddenly (laughs) i (laughs) see oh my god what happened and she's laying there and uh like (laughs) this again that's like that reefer madness hysteria people when I'm heart to heart with my partner, and I've negotiated, I, you know, I, I'm clear that there's a part of me that is like above the bottom line. Is above all, do no harm. You know that I protect my partner, that I my respect never leaves, that my humanity and their humanity are are fully engaged, even when we step into this inner chamber in this intense, fierce, uh, you know, erotic uh, epic encounter of, of all these taboo things. Uh, that part doesn't go away. That part is always in me, right present and, and there, uh, and it's you know, it's your, if you're with your partner. I mean, you have to trust your own betting capability to know that oh, I'm not with a psychopath <laughs> or a sociopath. You know, get better at your stuff if if you're mm-hmm. winding up with psychopaths or sociopaths. I mean, in some cases, it might have just happened. You can't help it. But I mean, but what I'm saying is. of the time, that isn't going to be a concern or an issue with another human being that you've negotiated and felt trust with and built connection with.
0: Yeah, yeah. I really, really want to emphasize that too. And kind of what you said, and then also what you wrote in your book about your own experience about external, you know, social um, friends and family and, um, the legal system, um, stigmatizing you just because this was your sexuality and it had nothing to do with your personhood about who, about your fit in as a human or that there was anything wrong with you. Cause there isn't anything wrong with us if we have a kink, but we've been led to believe that there is you're dysfunctional or something you've gone through trauma or something you're broken and that's not the case.
1: Yeah. And we are in a society even still, this, my experience was 20 years ago and it's definitely shifted quite Mm -hmm. a lot since then. But at the time, yeah, I was essentially outed by my ex during a divorce uh, and, and cast as a like right down there with the child molesters and rapists and murderers level of, uh, which had nothing at all to do with what was actually true, but the uh, she outed me to all my family, all her family, all of our couple's mm-hmm. friends, all the employees of our business, all my professional associates, uh, and more. And strangers even. She was just like in this uh, over-the-edge uh, retaliation because I was uh, just ending an emotionally dysfunctional relationship had nothing to do with my sexuality or that, but I had been hiding my sexual. You know, I hadn't been honest about myself. I was afraid to be honest about my sexuality and in, in terms of being uh, into kink mm-hmm. uh, because it was so, I wasn't finding anyone who was saying, Oh, you know, kink is cool. It was yeah. like everybody, Oh my God, that's horrible. You know, you would yeah. just hear it in the conversations of people referencing something and you're going, Oh, okay. I better mm-hmm. not. But I didn't say anything. Here, but so, what happened was, yeah, I went through this horrible uh, outing and and I was an outcast overnight and vilified and and people yelling and screaming at me, calling me on the phone, telling me how fucked up I was. And nobody's ever stopped and said, "Oh, well, Galen, I've known you, uh, you've all been in almost thirty years in this town. You were the coach of like for all the kids' sports, and we knew you as coach, and you were this good guy and solid citizen and what happened or what's this about? Everybody just instantly went to the dark side and, and made this, uh, my my truth, projected onto me that I was this horrible, fucked up, evil uh, man, even to the extent where I lost my son brought me and said uh, they didn't want to see me anymore. Uh, it was a disaster of, uh, I had no idea what was coming when I decided to get real about my sexuality, but uh this is how the soul's journey uh works so i mean i was so deep in hiding i, I never could have imagined i'd be here sitting to talking about this with a, a, an audience you know uh out front i was going to be just private but i got outed and so the blessing of that was suddenly anyone i would have hidden that from I, I you know i intended it to be who i was as i had been and just have a private relationship with with someone who was uh, into kink with me and no one else would know i thought was going to happen, or that was my intention, but it uh, totally blew up. But after I survived the the, the, the that blow up part, uh, emotionally and spiritually, uh, I was strong enough to like, you know, survive that, uh, fortunately, because uh, I'm stubborn. I, guess, <laughs> I wasn't going to go down. I mean, a big part of it was I just wasn't going to allow this image of their father to be my son's heritage of me. Uh, So I was determined to change shift that because they were in the household, they were in the midst of this uh, vilification and I was cut off from them. Uh, It's a long story. I could keep going on it. But the bottom line was uh, it put me eventually in a position where I was out and I could speak up and stand up for people's rights to be who they are and also to help people cross those thresholds into their own truths and heal and, and resolve all the fears and shames they had and mm-hmm. uh, learn how to integrate their sexuality in a way that's in integrity with the, uh, the rest of their life
0: yeah being able to your story is really inspiring and, and i know people can read more about it in your book uh, decoding your kink guide to explore share and enjoy your wildest sexual desires and then you have another book the sharp edge of love and both of these i really want to recommend to everybody i think you know to hear stories like yours where you transmute the challenges and the pain into, you know Medicine for everyone—that everybody can learn from these—is really, really powerful. So, thank you.
1: Yeah, well, I appreciate the blessing. (laughs) Thank
0: you. Wow, this whole episode has just been really enlightening, and there's there's a lot here, and I want people to you know stop and rewind and um, use this to help them their own selves, give themselves permission to start in their journey. Um, how else can people find you or where can they go?
1: Yeah. Uh, the simplest way is uh, my website, Galenfoos.com. It's G-A-L-E-N-F-O-U-S.com. <clears throat> and I'm also, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, etc. all of those uh, places It might even be uh, in some info that you're going to post or... Mm-hmm uh on there uh also plug while i'm at it i've also uh, the inventor of the tetris mm-hmm. uh, which is a portable sus- shibari suspension bondage rig oh bdsm God. dungeon and sex swing uh, which yeah. i started in 2000 the year 2000 as uh still going strong so that's tetris.com t-e-t-r-u-s-s.com so the world's most versatile adult toy
0: (laughs) it's like a playground it's like a (laughs) (laughs) oh my god i love it thank you so much galen for joining us on here and i'll have all of his connect in the show notes Lovers, thank you again for tuning in. And if you enjoyed the show, please head to eatplaysex.com. Subscribe to the show and connect with me to get your free ebook on how to have better conversations around sex and to get all your information about Galen because my goal here is to get you to eat, play, and sex better so you can improve your sex life, which will improve every aspect of your life. Mm. I'll see you next time on Eat Play Sex. Thanks for tuning in lovers. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel. You can find out more about our guests and topics from our show by checking out eatplaysex.com. Until next time, don't forget to nourish your sex life.